You're listening to My Therapist Thinks, a modern mental health podcast. We're your hosts, Andrea Bozia and Mary Beth Samich. We are licensed therapists with a passion for making therapy accessible, relatable, and relevant to your life. Let's get started. All right, so today we're talking about warning signs of unhealthy relationships. Maybe you're listening because you're wondering if your relationship is healthy or not, Um, but we want to remind you that no relationship is perfect. Even the healthiest of relationships have perpetual issues at play within them because you're naturally two different people navigating life together. Yeah. And when we say relationships in this particular context, we are referring to those romantic, intimate relationships, but all, if not many of these warning signs that we review today can apply to platonic relationships as well. For sure. So first I want to talk about a tendency to downplay or hide negative aspects of relationships due to fear of judgment or even shame. And I wanted to share an antidote, a personal experience of mine that maybe others could resonate with. So I acknowledge fully that I'm a therapist and recognize that maybe I'm more open about things than most people, especially when it comes to dynamics, because that's what I specialize in. And I feel like it's totally normal, especially when you're in a transition with your significant other to go through some bumps in the road. So I remember reaching out to a friend who had just moved in with her boyfriend and I just moved in with mine and just telling her like, oh man, are you having some of these same little, little struggles? Things like, you know, he's leaving the toilet seat up or leaving the dishes in the sink instead of putting them in the dishwasher, small things like that. And just kind of sharing that experience with her and her saying back, oh no, not at all. Like everything's perfect over here. And mm-hmm. <laughs> just feeling like, wait, wait, really? Like, really? It's going that smoothly? So um, it's funny because my husband is actually friends with that now husband. Um, and, and he was getting feedback like, oh, no, things are not good over here. <laughs> um, and so I was like, huh. But she didn't want to share that with me, right? So that really taps into some of that shame and fear of judgment. Yeah, definitely. I think it highlights that no relationship is perfect Mm. and it's not supposed to be like perfection is unattainable, right? So no matter how cute someone's Instagram post may be or how lovey-dovey they may appear in person, like I think we all know that couple that, you know, goes out and is like maybe all over each other and, you know, just a lot of PDA and like, we're great. But then you hear all these crazy stories later. Yeah, we're all human. And that means that we make mistakes. And sometimes we hurt people that we love, or we get hurt by the ones that love us. And that's okay. We need to normalize that process that people argue and they disagree. And that can be a part of a healthy functioning relationship. So when someone tells me, oh no, like I never disagree with my partner, it's actually a flag that something might be going on. And perhaps that couple is conflict avoidant, that they're afraid of getting angry or upset with one another. And then perhaps they're choosing to ignore hard, important topics to talk about. You know what I'm talking about, MB? 
Yeah, definitely. I think that is a big indicator that maybe it's not safe to have fights, but when you fight in healthy ways, it's really productive for your relationship and, and, you know, having healthy disagreements can really bring you even closer. Yeah. I think that's a great point. Yeah. But however, in this episode, we're not talking about the smaller, maybe annoying quirks about your partner. We really want to hone in on the difference between what is healthy and normal and then what is really not by focusing on what's not and giving you that information in terms of red flags. Because the red flags really indicate that there's something more concerning at play. And identifying these early in the relationship can save you a lot of time, a lot of trouble, and a lot of sanity in the end. Right. So I figured we'd start um, maybe with codependence. And codependence, if you haven't, if you're not familiar with the term, is the idea that I'm only okay if you're okay. That we consistently have to be on the same page about everything. There's an emotional dependence there and a lack of real individual identity. It's like you get lost in each other. Yeah. And when I talk to my clients about this, I always highlight the importance of preserving yourself as a separate entity within the couple identity. So being in a relationship is really beautiful and two people really come together as one in many different ways. And I think that's to be celebrated. However, it's also important not to lose yourself within that establishment of that couple identity. Absolutely. And so codependence being the first red flag, I think leads us really well into the second red flag, which is isolation. So this might look like your friends and family disliking your partner, you spending all of your time with your partner, um, or even your partner talking poorly about those close to you not um, advocating for you to spend time with your friends, even sabotaging your time together with your friends. Um, And this can really go hand in hand with possessiveness. Yeah. And you shouldn't really feel like you have to choose between your partner and your friends. Definitely. And I think this can show up in many different forms because sometimes when I bring up some of these red flags with the client who's perhaps experiencing some isolation but not able to identify that clearly – we kind of go through some examples such as, does your partner text or call you multiple times when you're out with people? You know, and where is that coming from? Um, All that checking in, you know, is your partner asking for pictures? Does your partner track your phone? Does your partner suddenly become ill or really needs you whenever you hang out with friends or whenever you need to leave them or be somewhere where they can't keep an eye on you? That's a big one. Definitely. Or do things just fall apart at home and you need, and that your partner really needs you to come home immediately when that happens, when you're out with your friends? Um, those are big red flags. And that leads us perfectly into a third red flag of lack of trust and unwarranted jealousy, because that's often the major underlying reason that your partner might be isolating you due to that jealousy and your partner's own insecurity. So when Andrea says things like, you know, they're texting you the entire time that you're out with friends, asking for pictures, asking for receipts, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that could all be based in lack of trust and unwarranted jealousy. Maybe you have, you know, a male friend or a female friend or just a friend that in general that your partner is really jealous of um, and they, you know, just create something out of that when you don't feel like there's anything there. Really tune into that. Mm-hmm. I think jealousy can be a really sticky word 
right? Like just saying it, you can be like, ooh, yeah, I don't like that. Oftentimes when we take a step back to evaluate what jealousy represents in a relationship, it often reflects something that we're struggling with personally, perhaps a personal insecurity or self-doubt. And then we may be projecting that onto our partner. So an example of that may be, you know, you think that your partner may be flirting with other people when they're out. Now, it's really important to have clear boundaries established with your partner of what is appropriate for you guys in your relationship and what is not. And then to really allow your partner the freedom to make choices on their own and not to make them out of fear. Because when it comes down to it, if someone's going to cheat, they're going to cheat, right? True. Very true. (laughs) And... um. Jealousy is just going to eat you up inside. It's not going to do anything necessarily to your partner. So what I talk to my clients about is releasing the responsibility of faithfulness to your partner, right? So acknowledging, Mm, yeah, like acknowledging um, if someone is inappropriate to my partner or hits on them out at a bar, it is the responsibility of my partner to take a step back and to disengage from that interaction, it's not your responsibility to jump in and be like, hey, 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 what's up? What's up? <laughs> yes. I see that a lot, especially in just like hegemonic masculine culture. This idea of they need to like jump in and protect the female partner often if it's um, a heterosexual couple from, you know, this man coming in. And I'm like, oftentimes the woman can hold her own or maybe she wants to. And then, you know, then you've got this like fight going on between the two men and it just gets kind of nasty. And so I really like that idea of releasing that responsibility and that builds trust. A hundred percent. So getting into the fourth red flag, which is belittling or criticizing, right? And so this is definitely a major red flag. It's actually one of the four, the Gottman's four horsemen. Um, and if you're unfamiliar with that, criticism is anyway. And that's one of the predictors of divorce or lack of success of a relationship is criticism. So name calling is just never okay, yeah, right? Never okay. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's something that you learned growing up, um, something that you haven't really thought about. It might be automatic, but if this is a pattern, it really needs to be addressed because it can easily become emotionally and verbally abusive. Right. So maybe you're sitting here listening to this podcast and perhaps you're realizing, wait, I name call when I get upset. And maybe it's something that you saw your parents doing or other adult role models in your life doing when they got really angry. And when I say name calling, that is when we are saying anything to belittle another person. So that can be from profanity to, you know, calling someone a form of livestock, whatever it is. Um, (laughs) You know, it's saying something hurtful, you know, and I try to remind people that hurtful words are designed to hurt. And when somebody follows up with, oh, I'm just joking, or you're too sensitive, when you try to confront them about hurting you, that is an unhealthy pattern. That is an example of them even gaslighting you a bit. Mm -hmm. And we'll get into that as another red flag. Yeah. So I think it's really important to establish healthy boundaries around arguing 
at the beginning of a relationship so that you don't create these unhealthy patterns of labeling each other when you're frustrated because you're often labeling someone as something bad or undesirable. And if that happens enough, that person may eventually start to believe that. And it also has a sense of exerting power over that other person's self-worth. It's a really slippery slope and something that needs to be addressed. Mm -hmm. And criticism often sounds like you statements. You're to this, you're to that, you're always doing this, you're never doing that. And so that's why it can be really helpful to get some assertiveness training in I statements, right? Like, I was impacted this way when this happened is a very different statement than you always do this, right? And you're so this way. And and those statements, the you're so, you always, you never, they come from a place of flooding, emotional flooding. So when your nervous system is totally flooded and overwhelmed by emotions or you're having a fight or flight response, your brain immediately goes to this extreme thinking and criticism because it's a really easy way of thinking. It doesn't take the effort of self-reflection in those moments. And so if you find yourself getting there, really taking some time, I always recommend maybe like a 20 minute break. And if you have any type of attention deficit an even longer break, um, because it will take your nervous system that long to regulate before you're able to use your rational brain and the parts of your brain come online again that help you operate kind of logically and empathically. I love that example. And I also suggest a a strategy with my clients when they start to notice they're becoming activated to take five. And what I mean by take five is to come into your five senses. So when you feel yourself getting triggered or activated, take a deep breath in and then notice what you're seeing, what you're hearing, what you taste, what you smell, and what you're coming into immediate contact with. What are you touching? And in a very quick and effective way, that can bring you back into your body and remind you that you're here in this moment and that you don't have to fly off the handle. Yeah. So moving into number five, which is gaslighting. Andrea touched on that a little bit already. And if you're not familiar with the term gaslighting, it's this idea of, let's say, you know, someone really hurts you. And then that person says, I'm just joking around. You're too sensitive and almost puts that blame and responsibility back on you for having a problem with their behavior. So it, it is also, you know, a key feature in abusive relationships that contributes to making the abused person feel crazy, right? And, and second guessing their own experience and their own reality. So it's a really deep form of manipulation. Sometimes Abusive people in relationships will withhold affection until they get their way, um, trying to influence your feelings or pushing you to do things that you're even uncomfortable with and even making threats. And all of these can be forms of gaslighting. Yeah, definitely. And I think that oftentimes that can create a shift in the relationship where a person is focusing on changing the other person. Yes. And that's another warning sign, right? So the sixth warning sign would be changing the other person, focusing on how you dress, how you act, how you speak, what you're doing. Yeah. That really comes down to, you know, do you feel that this person is good enough? Do you feel you're good enough for this person? That might be a warning sign of that. Yeah. And I think it leads directly into the manifestation of a comparison trap. That's when you're measuring yourself to others in one way or another. 
And this can honestly just make you chronically inferior or depressed. And we can do this in many parts of our lives, but it can be especially detrimental when we do this to our partners or it's being done to us. Mm -hmm. It's a way of wearing the partner down. Absolutely. If you're never going to kind of live up to this expectation and be good enough, then it definitely creates a power differential in the dynamic. Right. So it can come up in many different ways. So perhaps your partner constantly commenting on what you wear or how you style your hair. I even see it a lot in people policing what the other person says, right? So, so much so to a point where maybe you or your partner like kind of stops talking in conversations, like is afraid to to say what they really think, or especially when you're out with people, um, because you may be criticized for what you say when you come home. Yeah. And then the last sign would be aggression of any form, which is not something worthy of tolerating in a relationship um, and often is an early indicator of abuse. So verbal, emotional, financial, and physical abuse are all valid forms of domestic abuse. I actually used to be a domestic violence counselor when I was in New York City. My area I was assigned to was Harlem, and I worked primarily with mothers and children who were victims of domestic violence. So this is kind of my area of expertise for a little while, and it's why I have such a passion for talking about warning signs and red flags. I work with a lot of teens and young adults, you know, college-age adults or just out of college that are in these relationships and really just looking for some feedback about, you know, is this normal? Like, and part of that problem is that nobody talks about the tough times and the fights and some, cause some of it is normal. And then when there are other things that are just absolutely not, and they are giant red flags or there's aggression involved, that's a conversation that is so important to happen before the relationship continues to snowball down that negative path. So yeah, I think aggression is major. So kind of to recap these seven signs, there's codependence, isolation, lack of trust or jealousy, belittling or criticizing, gaslighting, focusing on changing the other person, and then lastly, aggression. Definitely. And just with the aggression, I, I want to follow up with you on that because it can be really important for someone to seek therapy during that time when they're in a relationship where they don't feel safe. And perhaps it's time for them to find a way to leave the relationship, but it's really important to be aware that couples counseling may not be appropriate if you're in an aggressive relationship. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So this is a major misconception that if you are seeing abusive patterns in your relationship, that you guys should go to couples counseling. And that can actually escalate the danger that the partner being abused is in because it creates a very unsafe setting Um, For instance, many partners who are abused cannot be honest in the counseling room without there being consequences outside of it afterwards. So it creates a really unsafe environment. And if your abusive partner is requiring you to do this, I see this a lot, like you have to go to at least a couple session with me before you leave me because we'll work this out and we'll figure it out. Calling that couple's counselor and giving them a heads up and saying, I don't feel like this is appropriate. It feels unsafe. And some some couples just don't know that it's not appropriate. Um, another thing that's really inappropriate is anger management for abusive partners. 
referring them to anger management is never appropriate because they learn to become smarter abusers in anger management class, which can be even more dangerous. So we'll talk a little bit in a little bit about what to do if you find yourself in that situation, but couples counseling is definitely not appropriate. So maybe some of these markers we've talked about stood out to you as something that may be unfolding in your own relationship on some level, but maybe you're in a phase in the relationship where you feel like something is off, but you're still not sure what, you know, and if that's the case, it may be time to check in more on a somatic level. Yeah. Tune into how you feel around your partner. You know, when you're in maybe your shared home or just on a date with them, Versus when you're by yourself or with other people in your life, you consider to be healthy influences. You know, when you're around them, are you anxious? Are you walking on eggshells? Do you feel insecure about yourself? And then tune into, you know, do I feel more safe and more relaxed and more at ease when I'm not with them? Your nervous system really tells you so many things and it can feel things that your mind hasn't really come to terms with yet. And I also want to mention how early some of these signs of unhealthy relationships can pop up. I work with a lot of teenagers, like I said, and I see them even as young as like 13, 14 year old relationships. And when that becomes accepted or normalized in adolescence, there's a propensity for it to continue on through adulthood and be perceived as normal. So there are many individuals who will come into my office and will cite instances of very toxic behavior in their relationships, having no idea that it's toxic. Um, It doesn't feel good to them, but they might make excuses for it or downplay it. And this is always concerning to me and something I really like to address head on before it continues or escalates. Definitely. And I think that brings up the need for individual counseling to really explore those unhealthy behaviors at play in this like safe, non-judgmental space where the therapist or educator can help provide resources and help the person reclaim a sense of self and build up their self-worth to be able to leave an unhealthy relationship if necessary. Right. So definitely things that you can do if you find yourself in this situation, seek individual counseling and definitely remember that couples counseling is not appropriate. I always recommend psychology today for help in finding a therapist that is an individual therapist. And you can also filter by who might specialize in domestic violence counseling. Another, um, another site too, that I've, uh, heard is good is called good therapy. Yes. And they may provide some other therapists or counselors that are not on psychology today. Right. And then thirdly, um, openpathcollective.org, I believe they offer very, reduced sessions cost-wise for people who can't use their insurance or aren't able to pay out of pocket. So that's a great um, option as well. It's a nonprofit that helps with that. Yeah. And let's say you're not in the space to go to therapy, seek out a trusted friend or a family member, you know, has your best interest at heart, right? This will help not only combat isolation, but also validate your experience and perhaps get you the help that you need, the resources that you need to make the changes to either create a healthier relationship or to leave the relationship. Yes. And if it's a truly 
abusive situation, there are a series of extra steps you'll want to take to leave it safely. And so I encourage you to start by calling the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That's 1-800-799-7233 to be matched with a domestic violence counselor who can walk you through those and consider um, safety measures to actually leave the relationship. We want to remind you that no relationship is perfect. Even the healthiest of relationships have issues at play. However, if you are feeling that something is really off or you've identified one of the seven red flags of an unhealthy relationship within your dynamic, there is support available to you. Thank you for inviting us into your day. We hope you enjoyed the information shared in this episode. As a reminder, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy. We encourage you to reach out to a licensed mental health professional to support you in continued growth. Be sure to subscribe to be the first to know when new episodes launch, to rate and review us on iTunes, and follow us on Instagram at ABC Therapy and at Your Journey Through.